What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, sponsored by this container of McDonald's fries that Derek is so beautifully uh, modeling for us. Because as a youth pastor, everybody knows, Derek, sometimes you just got to eat on the fly. I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes as a youth pastor, that could have went about four different directions. I think it was Wayne's World that they like really were all about ad marketing and how... I, th- I remember uh, Mike Myers saying, it's so sad that people promote things for money as he's wearing like a Pepsi hat or something <laughs> random. <laughs> so that was the first thing I thought of when you pulled out those uh, McDonald's fries. But Kyle, give us a ranking one to 10. How do those fries taste? Uh, so this is going to be a little controversial, but you have to give me time to explain it. Okay. I'm going to go with a solid two, maybe one and a half, 1.75, 1.75. Wow. Because I bought them almost two hours ago and then got stuck in a nice long meeting and yeah. didn't get to eat them. And so they're in front of me, so I'm eating them, but I should probably stop because they taste horrible and I'm recording a podcast. Allow me to add to your conjecture. Wow. Terrible? 1.75 is an absolute generous call on yeah, that one. They're pretty bad. Wow. Anyways... I think those would have been bad two hours ago. Nah, when they're warm, I like... I mean, McDonald's fries are lower on the fast food French fry total What's pole. your top? Um, Probably Wendy's. Oh, yeah, they're fried. They really revamped their fries as of late, didn't Well, they? and it's, it's, you know, you get the combination of the Wendy's fries and the, and the Frosty. Yeah. Yep. Like, that's really... Maybe there's bias in there. Like if it was just the Wendy's fries on their own, would they be as high? I don't know. Yeah. But the hey, Wendy's fries with the Frosty, man, that's where it's at. While we're on the topic of being entirely off topic. Obviously. Um, <laughs> yep. I uh, As I was waiting, I was just perusing some Instagram and carne asada is back at Chipotle. I saw that. And that is easily one of like carne asada at Chipotle is top tier fast food. Uh, if we, I think Chipotle, I consider that fast food. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's in, it's in it's, that tier of like you. You get you get it quickly. Yeah. That's that's the definition of fast food, <laughs> is it not? Like, <laughs> well, Dar- Cold Stone, fast food. <laughs> uh, it is. It is food you get fast. I don't. Well, I don't see a problem with yeah, that at that, all. That's fair. But if if it's all the same to you, I'm gonna jump us back on topic because uh, yeah, that's probably a good true idea. to form. We are entirely off topic, which is yeah. Good. But we're only three minutes in. Yeah. So. so we got plenty of time to get off more <laughs> off topic. So uh, which we're probably going to do. But Kyle, I have a question for you today. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite activity to do in the fall season? So can I just? say an all-encompassing answer of football. That's a great answer. Uh, Love coaching football. Love watching football. Uh, Like the once every five years I get a chance to play football. Uh, That is instantly my favorite day ever. Uh, It's been a while. I'm due. So we got to put something together. But uh, I don't know who with, but we'll figure I'm in. That out I want to play. Uh, you just get a bunch of middle-aged youth pastors that don't mind pulling something, uh, and and we'll get together and play, Done play deal. some play some flag football. Uh, I I am a weird big fan of going to 
an apple orchard and getting a caramel apple. That's that's kind of my one like fall thing that I always have to do every year. Uh, but I mean, you know, bonf like late night bonfires. Oh, yeah, when the air uh, is crisp outside, dude. I've got a laundry list of like like fall's my favorite season, and so I don't want to just pick one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just gonna say all those. Thanks for that, because that you stole about eighty percent of mine. Good. Like- <laughs> Good. What did I leave you? Hunting? Yeah. Yeah. Which was the number one. (laughs) Like it's like, I, I literally wait 50 weeks out of the year for, uh, you know, for the two weeks I get to go out to North Dakota duck hunting and, uh, I, I love it. I plan for it. And so that, that was my number one. It's not particularly close, but, um, I do love my wife like comes alive in the fall season. She's got, Four different fall scented candles. Our whole house is orange and yellow and red and there's leaves and pumpkins and, and all the different stuff. And so she loves it. And so she loves getting like a warm coffee and going to an apple orchard and walking through. We never buy apples. Uh, but oh, we, no. we, buy, we buy the apple donuts and the apple uh, pie deals and all the apple infused things that are not inherently apples. There was... Uh stretch of time where my wife and I like we were like oh let's go to like before we had our daughter like we can you know go do whatever we want and so we'd go to Apple Orchard and we there was three years in a row that we accidentally ended up at the same Apple Orchard because we're like oh let's like go find a new one this year and and we would find on Google Maps like oh I don't think we've ever been to this one before it looks kind of tucked away and hidden uh, and we'd go there and we'd be like well we were here last year darn it <laughs> The third year, we like literally the same thing. It's like, oh, like, you know, we're going to this one. Hey, there's another apple orchard that's kind of close to here. Let's go check that one. We've been here before. That was, and that was the thing. I was like, I could totally see that happening the second time, but the fact that it happened a third time is actually impressive. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Hey, I mean, I'm, was it a good apple orchard at least? Yeah, it was all right. Okay, I, I feel like, like, the area that we live in, I'm I'm not sure that there's an apple orchard I would point to and be like that. That's the amazing apple yeah, that's orchard. True. Like there's there's some decent ones. There's one where uh, you can like they have like a potato launcher, but you put apples in oh, it and yeah. then shoot it at a target. So that's fun. If you've seen more uh, apple orchards, should do that. If you've seen the popular Netflix series Quarterback, I uh, have seen the first episode. Patrick Mahomes does that in episode two. He Let's shoots go. Some apple that stuff. <laughs> great, great show. If you're looking, if you're a football fan and you have not yet done it, uh, I have loved watching that Quarterback and series. Your boy Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Vikings. Well, I was gonna say Vikings. Your boy Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, <laughs> for for all of our. Uh, for all of our Georgia audience who lives near Atlanta, uh, he does make an appearance. And uh, I don't know that great. I feel like the Hawaii audience would have been more interested in Patrick or in uh, Marcus Mariota being on quarterback than the Georgia audience that hated him. Probably didn't like him for half the year, and then he got replaced. Yep. So sounds about there's right. That. Gosh, it's good to have football back. Though, it's isn't it? great, it's but fantastic. I have Drake London on one of my fantasy teams, and he just. Doesn't yeah. ever get the ball. No, so. he's terrible. Anyway, which is why we're going to talk about something that's not Drake London related, and it's not terrible. Amen to that. Uh, well, <laughs> some churches might some disagree tr- with dude, that, but that well, some churches might think it's terrible. Some churches, it might think they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> wow. 
What we're talking about today on the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast is the Holy Spirit. And we just kind of wanted to uh, share a little bit of a precursor here uh, with the Holy Spirit because as we kind of jokingly alluded to, there's a lot of different uh, stances on the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's role in the church looks like today. And uh, so, you know, on one hand, you kind of have the, Kyle, you said, you said it best. Um, I, if you could share what you shared with me pre-show about uh, the the one church you attended, where the, their stance on the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just share yeah, that with our so audience? I there, there's you know countless denominations of mm-hmm. of Christianity, and I was baptized as an infant in a Lutheran church. I went to a Catholic school for 13 years. When I was six, our family switched to attending a Baptist church, and that Baptist church dropped. They they built a new building, dropped the Baptist, changed their name, became non denominational. But I think most people would agree that a lot of non denominational churches kind of lean more toward the the Baptist realm. Uh, and now I work at an Assemblies of God church, uh, and so I've kind of been all over the map. But the the church that I grew up at primarily, uh, you know, non denom church. And the the best way, apparently, that I could think of to describe it is that they believed in the Father Son, <laughs> uh, and and that was where it ended. Uh, you know, now what? Like it wasn't. It, it's a joke. It wasn't heretical, but at the same time, uh, they 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 really did. Uh, you know, there there the Holy Spirit really wasn't talked about at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a very, very heavy emphasis on uh, the Bible, uh, which is fun because next week we're going to talk about the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a heavy emphasis on the Bible, heavy emphasis on uh, teachings of church fathers, and not necessarily like you know, like the when when the Catholic Church talks about the teachings of the church fathers, sure. they're talking about uh, you know Saint Augustine, yep, or or some of those. Uh, individuals, you know, this, like they were more talking about uh, Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, uh, you know, church theologians to, to that effect. But yeah, it was, it was very heavy on, on God, the father, God, the son, uh, and not a whole lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit at all. Yeah. And I think it, on the flip side of that equation, because, you know, that is, I would say that's the one side of the extreme. You have the church that they would probably never come out and say, we don't believe in the Holy Spirit or we don't believe that the Holy Spirit's important. No, but these two, these are going to be the churches that are going to say that, you know, the, the gifts of Correct. the Holy Spirit were only meant for biblical times. Yep. Uh, you know, their, their practical view of the Holy Spirit in modern times is very limited. Yep. And so I would say that that's one side of the equation on the flip side uh, like how my wife grew up, she grew up in a very Pentecostal, uh, the word would be charismatic setting uh, to where when I, I've, I would argue, sorry, I would argue that the flip side is further than that. Oh boy. Oh, uh, you were talking like snake charmers. I'm thinking, yeah, like okay, snake yeah. charmers and <laughs> like you see, you see clips on, I just saw a, uh, an Instagram reel last night of, you know, there's, there's like the church service where everybody's like stomping and dancing yep. and it's just like total chaos. Yep. Uh, and you've got what appear to be spiritual gifts, but completely out of control. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, uh, so I would argue that would be the the, the extreme, <laughs> the, the extreme, extreme on yeah. the other end. Like it, it, if if we're talking about extreme, like 
off the wall kind of thing. I would say probably the other off the wall is a great way to put yeah, it. The, the, this other extreme, if you will, is probably the other kind of like, yeah, this is kind of the, the parameters yeah. here. You kind of have your window here yeah. and then you have the crazy crazies. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I would say on the other side of the window, my wife grew up in a very charismatic Southern background where it's like they had sheets on the altar to cover up the women when they would get slain in the spirit and fall mm-hmm. down every week they would have to ha- use those sheets to cover the the dresses of the ladies so that they wouldn't, you know, would be exposed, all those different things. And when I first got there, I mean, it was it was a two and a half hour long service, a 45 minute altar call, you know, just uh, spoken words and, and prophetic words, I'm sorry, and all these different things. So uh, <laughs> those are two different things. Yeah, not not spoken word. Uh, I meant <laughs> you prophetic could. word. You can yeah. ask the spoken yeah, word. Yeah, why as well. Let, let the spirit flow, right? So, you know, those are kind of the two the two parameters, if you will. And I think what Kyle and I wanted to lead into this episode with is we understand that when when we have our listeners here, you might be on either one of those sides. You know, you might definitely be in that window of going, yeah, I definitely do believe that the gifts were just for biblical times or, you know, my church is incredibly charismatic. We're not here to split hairs and say, what we believe or what we think is is law because it's not. But I think as a general overarching uh, universal thing, I would say Kyle and I as Assemblies of God pastors and just in knowing Kyle well, I would say him and I kind of land somewhere in the middle of those two spectrums. And, uh, you know, we, can, we don't need to get into the weeds on that. But what, what was kind of on our heart for this episode is the reality is wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, um, I've kind of noticed a pattern within a lot of youth ministries primarily with this de-emphasized ministry on, or this de-emphasized passion for the Holy Spirit, you know, where it's like, you know, we're going to talk about Jesus all of the time because we need to. I mean, there's no other greater thing but we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit because it just gets too much into the weeds. You know, I've even talked, it's, you joke, Kyle, but like I have seen so many churches where it's like, yeah, we believe in God, the father. We believe in, in, in Christ, the son. And let's talk about God, the father again, or Christ, the son. Like, <laughs> let's not touch that. You know, if someone comes up and asks us, we'll, we'll talk about it, but it's like, we're not going to lead with that first foot forward, you know? And I think as we're going to get into here a little bit, I, I really believe that we do our students a disservice by not welcoming the Holy Spirit into our our ministries and not showing them how to interact with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think there's there's a long list of reasons that we could dream up as to why that happens, uh, and and some of it is intentional. Uh, you know, doctrine driven. We believe this, that, and the other thing that leads to a uh, de-emphasis of the Holy Spirit. I think that part of it too is just a lack of, uh, I I don't want to say, I hesitate to say understanding. Like, I don't, I don't know that's necessarily a lack of understanding, but a lack of sure understanding maybe. Uh, there's, there's a level of the Trinity that we will never understand. Correct. Uh, you know, there, there is a, um, you know, there's, there's a wonderment to, like, like we just, our minds can't comprehend fully how the Trinity works and that's okay. There's, there's many aspects of our faith that that is the case, but that makes some people uncomfortable. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit can sometimes 
we sometimes we see it as too deep, uh, you know, to go with our youth students as well, uh, and and that can you know, create some hesitation in youth pastors as well. And then I think, you know, this is going to be, I'm, I'm trying not to take shots here, but I think that there's a lot of youth pastors that personally have not put enough time into figuring out what they believe. And so then it's difficult for them to preach on it and, and it's impossible for them to preach on it. And so they don't because they aren't sure what they believe and if they're not sure where their belief their belief is on something, then how in the world are they going to preach it? So they don't, and and their youth ministry, uh, you know, is is lacking in that area because of it. Yeah, I I've just for me, I think it. I, I love how you keyed into the understanding piece because if you look at the Trinity, I think as a general rule of thumb, people can kind of quasi grasp this concept of God, the father. You know, I feel like when people think of God, they think of this huge being with white flowing robes, you know, this, this old man kind of figure sitting on a throne high in the sky. Like that's what people think of. It's not Santa. No, but it's a little, it's there's there's tiny aspects of Santa in there. It's like Santa and Dumbledore mixed with like, heavenly things you know <laughs> yeah like they're like maybe a little bit of of like a a zeus characteristic thrown in there or poseidon or something like that like just like the the i feel like they need longer hair like god needs longer yeah. hair than than maybe santa has but somewhere this soundbite is getting clipped together and we're gonna be cast off as this one's this heretics. one's off off the uh this this one's off limits for yeah for tucker, for tucker. on instagram he's, he's totally gonna do it though <laughs> But like, like, while I think even that image, if you will, is is off base as to what it's really going to be. Like, I think we can kind of arrive at this concept of a heavenly being waiting for us when we cross from this life to the next, who's going to sit on the throne and, and all these different things. Obviously, we can kind of picture Jesus. I mean, he was, I you know, just like us. He had skin and bones. He walked on this planet. We can kind of rationalize what that looked like. I I'd hate to burst your bubble, but he was not a uh, pasty white man with long flowing hair. Uh, he was Middle Eastern. He could have had long flowing hair. He could have, yeah. Like that, that, that part is definitely true. But he, he was not white. Um, so I had definitely a, not pasty. No, I I would agree with both of those. I had a, I don't remember if it was a teacher at one point. Had it like like apparently there was some studies that were done and some science whatevers and probably some hypotheses in there somewhere that led to the conclusion that Jesus was a semi-portly figure. Ah. And I thought, I had three thoughts on that. One, why? (laughs) Who, Who decided that that was something worth researching? And how did they get the grant money for that? Correct. Uh, Two... Jesus only ate fish and bread. Like that's not true, but like and he Jesus would have eaten food. Jesus would have eaten a Mediterranean diet. Like he wasn't up here with fried chicken. And so bummer. I have to imagine that helps your figure a little bit. The other thing is my dude walked everywhere. Yep. Like you get fit walking miles and miles every single day. So I'm not, I don't know about the, uh, I'm not buying the portly, no. 
the portly uh, study. I'm not either. <laughs> and uh, I don't even know what we were talking about. I mean, I, I was more so like, but like that, I think oh, that, yeah. that proves my picture point. God. Like, like you, you can, you can picture this, like you can literally wrap your yeah. head around. What do you picture when you talk about a spirit? You know, is, is it how like animated movies picture like this fairy dust floating in the sky? You know, it, it's, it's much more complex to picture a spirit, let alone interacting with a spirit. And I think that very mystical kind of, concept scares people and i think youth pastors are worried that if if i talk about this my students are confused like they're gone and so i think there's like a fear that we're going to lose students because of the confusion but here's what happens as a result of not welcoming the holy spirit into your youth ministry what you are sending a message is if i'm not going to teach you how to interact with the holy spirit i'm teaching you to rely on the pastor the leader or the mentor for your spiritual intake because literally think about it if we believe theologically that the Holy spirit is God alive inside of us. That is what convicts us. That is what, you know, helps us recall things. That is what makes our faith alive inside of us is the Holy spirit from a theological perspective. If we don't teach them that they have to interact with God purely on intellect, purely on knowledge. Well, where are they going to find that? Their pastors, their leaders, Hopefully they're reading in in the word. Like that's a great place to start too. But what you're teaching them is, hey, you can't interact with God for yourself. You got to interact with God with me. So you better be here. And you're completely robbing them of that intimacy and that ownership that they have in their faith. And they're for sure not going to be sensitive to the spirit's leading. You know, don't do this, do that, whatever it is. And so it creates this over overused reliance on pastors, leaders, and mentors for their spiritual intake and and direction. Yeah. And that's not to say that you can't get any spiritual intake or direction from a pastor. Right. You know, there's, there's encouragement that is supposed to come from that office. uh, And, you know, they are, their goal is to equip you to, to go out and do things. But the, that, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like if, if you only, are in the word on Sunday mornings. If you only are in the word on Wednesday nights, if the only time you commune with God is at the church building, then, then you are really, really missing out on something. I agree with that. Another thing that, that happens is that, you know, well, I mean, I guess kind of on that, like everything is within the church walls. Uh, you know, instead of, instead of God living within you, you view God as living within the church. And then when you're at school, when you're at home, when you're at work, when you're wherever playing sports, none of that is impacted by your faith because the daily, you know, internal relationship with the Holy Spirit is not there. It's compartmentalized entirely. You know, this is, this is church is what we do at church and it doesn't transcend beyond what happens outside of the walls. And, you know, that, that creates a problem, obviously, you know, and, and to me, what that kind of sums up is when we don't help our students have a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit, we're robbing them of the power that God's trying to give them. You know, how else do you stand up to the peer pressure that is, is around nowadays? It's harder than ever. You know, how do you grow in your faith in a world that continually tries to tell you your faith is a sham? How in the world do you continue to persevere in what God's calling you to do if you don't have the living, breathing God inside of you interceding on your behalf? You know, like 
if we don't show them that God is inside of you, they're powerless. You know, look at Acts chapter two. Peter goes from denying Jesus three times after he vowed, like, if everybody else falls away on account of you, I never will. Well, what happens? He does it, you know, immediately to, by and large, people that shouldn't have scared him that much, but they did, you know? And I love seeing the transformation of Peter from like post-resurrection of like Jesus making him right again. And then when the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit fills them, Peter stands up and preaches to thousands. Like that doesn't just happen just because you had a moment that happens because you have an understanding that God is inside of you. Yeah, I like that. You know, and so to me, that is where we, it's not good enough for us just to talk about the Holy Spirit. We have to show the students, this is available to you and here's how you do it. Here's how you interact with the Holy Spirit because we can talk about doctrine, we can separate it and all this different stuff, but the reality is from a scriptural perspective, in the Bible, theologically, it says, when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So that should be pretty universal. Yeah. And we have to talk about that, otherwise we're robbing them of their power. And so to me, it kind of, with that that perspective, it goes, okay, great. So how do you do it in a way? Because the reality is you do have to approach it differently because you have sixth through 12th graders in your midst, you can't just get up and just start delivering a dissertation with the Holy Spirit as you might with a Sunday morning congregation. Because if they don't have a basis and a foundation, it's going to go right over their heads. So how do we approach the Holy Spirit in your ministry? You know, to Mm -hmm. me, I think it starts with, as you alluded to, Kyle, (laughs) it starts with you. You have to understand it yourself. If you don't know how the Holy Spirit works, if you don't interact with it yourself, there's no way you can communicate that to your students. You know, and so I kind of want to say this, like I love looking in in Genesis, you know, how it talks about like the creation of the world. You know, obviously God, the father's there, but so is Jesus. Mm. John chapter one tells us that, but it also says the spirit was hovering over the waters. Like the Holy Spirit was there from the very beginning, you know? And so to me, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a new thing. It's not a denominational thing. It is a core fundamental part of who we are and we have to engage with it ourselves first. Yeah, if we don't do it, then it, it, this is true of a lot of things in ministry. Yeah. If, we, if we aren't doing it ourselves, then how in the world do we expect our students to do it? If they've got questions about it, we can't draw from personal experience uh, in, order to, in order to teach on it. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, another way, another thing that I think is important when we're approaching it is, you know, not just to preach about it, but to actually teach about it. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot about scripture, a lot about the character of God, a lot about God Himself that you know we try to glamour up, uh, and, and I don't think that we necessarily need to do that, especially in this case. Uh, you know, just just teaching students. Uh, you know, who is the Holy Spirit? Like the Holy Spirit is God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teaching students what he does in our lives, teaching them how to interact with the Holy Spirit. And so I think that, you know, preaching about the Holy Spirit can be inspiring. Mm-hmm. Preaching about the Holy Spirit can be activating, but teaching about the Holy Spirit is instructional. And, uh, you know, we'll get into this in a second, but 
teaching involves, okay, this is how to utilize this in your life and how not to utilize this in your life. Uh, you know, just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you can, uh, you know, jump off of a 20 story building and land and your leg is broken. And then that was a bad example. One one story building (laughs) and your leg is broken. And then you're just like, that's fine. I planned this. I'm going to pray for it. And God's going to heal it. Yeah. Not necessarily how the Holy Spirit works. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think there's, there's a teaching aspect that is also probably going to be continual. Like we have two letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, but we also know that there are two more that we just don't have. Like he had to continually teach these people. It wasn't just plant the church and go. It wasn't just preach a couple times and then go. There was continued teaching that needed to take place. And with the Holy Spirit, that's definitely an area that is going to need teaching. Yeah, because you have human beings mm-hmm. being entrusted with spiritual things. Of yeah. course, that's going to make a mistake. You know, like that. Like there's no question. I think... One of the biggest problems that you run into and probably one of the biggest deterrents to that pastor who says, I'm not teaching the Holy Spirit in my youth ministry mm-hmm. is because people tend to abuse what I consider the gifts. You know, um, I can't tell you how many times I, you know, f- for me growing up, you know, like I I had really no clue about the, I didn't grow up in church. You know, you said you kind of went to a Baptist church and you were in a Catholic church for 13 years. I, I probably went to church 10 times total from the time I was born until I was like 13 years old, you know? And so like you obviously, you can, even at all time, you can do enough prayers where it's like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but like no clue what the Holy Spirit was. Yeah. So when I went to a convention and when I, after I got saved and I was like 15 years old and the, the speaker is speaking in tongues, I was like, what the heck is that? You know, like, like, is he speaking Hebrew? Is he speaking Greek? This dude's a genius, you know? And then I found out like, no, that's, that's tongues. And I, I, I went down that whole thing. And so for a while there, I went, like, I really wanted to have that same gift of tongues and I didn't have it. And so I, I, I've, I found myself wanting it, wanting it, wanting it. And I think the reason why, when I broke it down, the thing, the thing I've told other youth pastors is if you teach that gifts are a mark of spiritual maturity, you're going to have students chasing gifts and not the Holy Spirit first. Like obviously the gifts are meant to edify the church. They are meant to, you know, build the church up, build people up. They're not meant for you to go on an ego trip, you know? And so what I, but students don't know that, you know, like I can't tell you how many times like I'd have, or I've seen this even now where it's like, you know, this kid gives a prophetic word and it's super well received and they get a lot of attention. And so now they take it upon themselves to go give prophecies to anybody all the time, you know, at the drop of a hat. And I'm not saying they're not legitimate, but I am saying like there is this, this fallacy that if you have spiritual gifts, it is a mark of your spiritual maturity. And that's not always the case. And so we have to really, really push, like we need to pursue the Holy Spirit first. And it's that pursuit that he gives us gifts to use to edify the church. It's not the other way around. You know, we have to teach that you chase after the character and the person of the Holy Spirit before what he gives you. You know, if you equate this to your walk with Jesus, it's the same thing as saying, God, I'm just going to only come to you when I need something. I'm going to pray to you when I need something, but I'm not going to come to you any other time. Like that's what you're essentially doing when you prioritize gifts over character. And so you have to teach your students, 
hear it. We, we choose to pursue the Holy Spirit and we're open to whatever it is that he wants to do through us. Yeah, I like that. There's a, uh, I, I did a sermon uh, a couple months ago uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning going through the, uh, what's it called? The Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And uh, there's there's some passages in there that that talked a little bit about this where I just kind of summed it up. Like you you can't seek the gifts of the Spirit over the fruit of the Spirit. Wow. And, and that's where a lot of us get into trouble. It's it's typically, in my experience, the the people that are, and, and, and this is not always, but typically the people that are, you know, seeking speaking in tongues over everything else, they're seeking miracles mm-hmm. over everything else, are also, you know, widely, widely hateful about their political opinions. You know, they are disproportionately passionate about you know, strange things in their lives because they have not focused first on the fruit of the spirit and they instead jump straight to what they perceive as the flashiness of the gifts of the spirit and you know even like I'll be I'll be open with this like one of the uh you know going to various camps and things uh one of the things that I have, I guess, lamented over the years is the emphasis on, on when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's usually specifically the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like how refreshing would it be to hear a, a sermon on the Holy Spirit where the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what is greatly emphasized? I think that one, I think that that's necessary. I think that's important prioritized wise. Uh, but I also think that that's something that our students really, really need. Yeah. They are not having modeled for them, you know, love of the political opposition and, and respect for the political opposition. Uh, you know, depending on what party you vote for in America, you know, we could dive into other, uh, you know, if, if you are, if you are a Democrat, you would probably argue that there's a bunch of Republican Christians who show no love for LGBTQ communities, for uh, immigrant communities. Uh, if you are a Republican Christian, you would probably you know, say that the Democrat Christians don't show a whole lot of love for unborn children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many nuances to all of that stuff. And, and we get so caught up in all of the things we disagree on. We get so caught up in the fact that we disagree about the Holy Spirit's use in churches today. Yeah. And we have no emphasis on the, on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I mean, you could drop the mic with that one. That is, it, it just gets crazy to me how if we truly just, you know, modeled what the word says, how things would just look different, you know? And like, I get it. It's not that easy. Like it's, we're human beings. Like, even though we know it, we still make mistakes, but you know, it is one of those things where like, it just something that a, a pastor told me that I have said on this podcast before I say it all the time is like so much of the stuff that we learn is caught and not taught, you know, like, you know, you, you might not have a ton of sermons in your repertoire of, you know, here's, I'm a teacher in the Holy spirit, but let me tell you one thing. Like if you are, if you are 
pursuing the, you know, the Holy Spirit and the fruit follows, the gifts follow, your students are going to pick up on that, you know, and you, it's so vital for you to do that. And so the the last piece I would say here, Kyle, is that like in your youth ministry, how you, when, when you land on all of this, you also need to give your students an opportunity to, to pursue them and to be open to what that looks like. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be new to a lot of students. You know, I, I, there's a lot of times when I'm taking, you know, new, new students to camp, you know, our, our, our youth camp every summer, they always do a night every, every week where there's emphasis on the Holy spirit. And there's going to be plenty of times where like they hear tongues for the first time. And you can literally see like their eyes go like saucer, like where it's like, what is this? You know, and they, they're freaked out. They're confused. They're not sure what's going on, you know? And so I think that's what scares youth pastors. Like, I don't want my students to feel that way, but here's the reality. Your students are used to being put outside of their comfort zone. If they play a sport, like if their form is bad, the coach isn't going to just accept that. Like if you have a terrible, terrible like shooting form in basketball, your coach is going to be like, Hey, that's fine. Like, no, he's going to force you to like get your form right. It's going to be uncomfortable. Same thing with a golf swing. Same thing with a, you know, defensive back. Like if you're, if you're out of position and you're, you tend to favor that side, you're going to pull them to the other side because you need them. Like they're used to being put outside of their comfort zone. Their theater director is going to put them in a role they don't want to be in. Like your students are used to being put in uncomfortable situations. And so not that you want to put them in there in that all the time, but like also be okay with the fact that when you teach them and give them an opportunity to pursue the Holy Spirit and things happen, like that is okay. Let them be in the opportunity. And here's what I would also say. They might do it wrong. They might have this gift of tongues and they might yell at the top of their lungs with no intention for an interpretation. That's not the moment where you say, hey, no, you're doing this wrong. That's where you circle back to that teaching thing we talked about earlier. Yeah. Where where you could say, okay, like, let's let's teach on this. I had, this is not necessarily, I mean, it's a little Holy Spirit related. We had uh, an instance where <laughs> For this we, podcast, that's plenty. It's kind of <laughs> close. <laughs> it's sort of close to what we're talking about. It's quasi-related. We, we had a moment where, like, hey, we were going to teach on, like, when we're up worshiping at the altar, pray with each other, mm-hmm. pray for each other. Like we wanted to highly encourage our students to do that. Uh, so we had, uh, what we saw was we saw students praying for each other. Mm-hmm. What we also saw was you'd have like one middle school boy, like, you know, be on his knees during worship, you know, kind of appearing as though he was, you know, you know, like he'd be like on his knees and like face down or worship or whatever. And you got like 15 middle school girls that walk over and start praying for him. And it almost becomes a distraction Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the service. And it just, it cracked me up and I was like, all right, this is really good. Yeah. We need to rein it in a little bit yep. and, and teach a little bit more on this, but you don't want to lose, you, you don't want to discourage it altogether. Uh, and, and I think that, yes, similar, it's, it's similar enough to the Holy Spirit that we can work its way into the podcast. Like there's going to be times where, okay, that didn't go quite how the Bible teaches it. Let's talk about it. Yep. Let's correct it. Uh, and, but let's continue to encourage it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, that's what Paul did in his letters, right? 
<laughs> yeah. He more or less said like, hey, this is causing a distraction. Let's not. Right. Did not stop entirely. You know, yeah, like, first Corinthians 14, like do it, but don't do it these ways. Correct. And that's, you know, and that was with adults, you know, so like you don't need to mm-hmm. be afraid of these different that's true. These confrontations, you know, like this is, this is new. And, you know, I just, I really believe that this should be implemented, you know, and it's, you can talk, we can talk about it all day long, but at the universal core, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. It's a part of our lives, you know, and how you want to do it is up to you. But I really think that we just, we need to kind of get past our fear, past our confusion, and just really bring this into our youth ministry because it's vital to the development of our students straight up. Yeah, that's good. Um, can you, without necessarily looking, scroll to the top of your Google Doc for this? Or you can just continue you, looking you, you at me. You don't want me to look? That, it's a, no, I don't want you to look at the Google Doc. I, there's a reason for it. Okay. Uh, and our listeners, so we've kind of concluded the the Holy Spirit conversation here for the episode and we're wrapping up, but I wanted to ask Derek a question because this is something... So you typed a word in, in our Google Doc and there are two ways to spell that word. And I don't know which one's right. Oh, <laughs> boy. So I need some... Our, our listeners can play along here too. Um, theater. Oh, yeah. I see that. Okay. How do you how do you spell theater? I, I switch all the time. I to me like if we're going to a movie theater, I do T R E. Okay. I don't know if that's right or not, but I also think that like if you are going to the <laughs> like if you're going to like a play, that's E R. Maybe I have those two mixed mixed up, but well I. I do it the other way around. Okay, I think so. If you go to a movie like like a theater. movie theater is R is is E R. Okay, to me, and like a play is R E. Okay, because it feels more sophisticated to do R E, <laughs> and a play it feels more sophisticated in my mind. So, when my wife, uh, she's from like Southern Indiana, so she's got a little bit of that Southern drawl kind of, she used to, it's all kind of faded out at this point. Minnesota. Uh, yeah. We're, we're converting. Minnesota our... culture is relentless. So yep, do it its is. Thing it, and... It's bad. So she, there's one word that she could use, come back to and it's theater. Nice. She says theater, you know? And so like that's whenever I think of the ER, I think of theater. Theater. I like it. That's some good talk about the Holy spirit. We and appreciate theater. and theater. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, and whatever we started the episode with, uh, French fries. Yeah. We talked about French fries a little bit. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on, uh, on this beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, well, it's beautiful the day we're recording. I guess we can't speak for when you're listening 38 to 38 degrees and rainy when you're listening to this in yeah, your car. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a cold. bummer. Yeah. Like, it's not beautiful out. Turn the seat heater on and you'll be nice and toasty. Heck yeah. Uh... We appreciate you guys hanging out with us, and and we love the podcast, and we hope you love it too. Uh, On behalf of Derek, I'm going to go get some new french fries. Goodbye.